Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and it is a busy weekend, or it was a busy weekend in Knicks land. Two Knicks games, one win, one loss. Oddly enough, the win was kind of discouraging, and the loss was kind of encouraging. So <laughs> we're going to talk about it. I don't have Gavin with me. If you're on YouTube viewing us, you already know I've got a guest co-host today, but if not, let me just tell you guys. I have Matthew Miranda with me, who you might know as at MMiranda613 on Twitter. Also has a new pod coming out on the Believe Network, writes in a bunch of different places. I'll get into more of that in a second. But uh, we're going to take our drop and then come back and discuss a busy weekend of Knicks games next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day. We're here for you guys five days a week, giving you daily New York Knicks podcasts on all platforms, totally free, including YouTube, which I must plug again. If you're not already listening to us on YouTube, or I should say watching us on YouTube, be sure to check that out. Drop some subscribe and some likes if you wouldn't mind. That's super useful, even if you just plan on still listening to the uh, audio product. But at any rate, uh, I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And I am joined by my Strickland recapper extraordinaire, among many other things. Uh, Matthew Miranda, you might know them as Miranda 613 on Twitter. Uh, Miranda has a new Nick's pod on the Believe Network with another uh, frequent guest, although has been on in a while uh, to Locked On Knicks. Got to change that. Stacy Patton, so new podcast coming out. Miranda's also a writer for Strickland and Posting and Toasting and co-host of the Jacobin Sports Show. And they tell me that I wear a lot of hats, Miranda. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, I went bald very early, so I am used to wearing many hats all the time. I'm very, very comfortable <laughs> with that. Yeah, I am simply receding. Yeah, I've always been a, a hair a hat guy. So, you know, I guess I'm just getting prepared for that eventuality myself. Uh, but I got a haircut. So I think this is the first time I've been on the YouTube channel with just like my hair showing. Just like, nice. Yeah, I've been a yeah, I've been a very uh very scruffy man for the last like two months because I just didn't get a haircut. So speaking uh, for, of scruffy, <laughs> the Knicks. Segue to the New York Knicks. Yeah. So you know, two games this this weekend, and since it was a Saturday Sunday, we're covering both of them in one episode. Uh, the Knicks beat the Rockets one hundred six ninety nine on Saturday night, but I actually wanted to lead off with the loss, which occurred tonight one hundred nine to one hundred three. The Knicks lose to the Bulls, which on the surface kind of sucks, but on if you go just a little bit below the surface, you realize okay, this is like a team in the Bulls that has legitimately looked good. Uh, granted, the Knicks handed them one of their their only losses so far this season, but that feels like a very different Knicks team compared to what we've been seeing lately. 
And this game just sort of served as sort of an affirmation to me that these Knicks seem to play up or down to their competition, depending on how good of a team they're facing. But like, I don't know, let's let's just get into it, I guess. Like, what was your biggest takeaway from this Bulls game? I, I You know, whether it's the starters somewhat playing better, Julius Randle really finding his mojo, which was great. Uh, yeah. or RJ Barrett still not able to make a shot. I mean, what was the, the big thing that kind of stood out to you? Those are all worth exploring. I think the biggest thing that stood out to me in this game was it reminded me of when, you know, a baseball team has been slumping for a while, and especially, you know, your your top starter is scuffling, and then you lose a game that they start like two to one, but they go eight innings and they give up two runs, and you're hopeful that the that is of more significance than the actual game. The Bulls are a good team. They just came off winning in Denver, which is never easy for anyone. Um, I it's it's painful to acknowledge like how good they are because I really was at the front of the offseason. Like you're all overrating Chicago. These moves are not a big deal. Like, and it really has worked for them. But I think the biggest takeaway I took was I was disappointed that they lost. Um, but I am of the, I'm of a slightly different, I was talking to Stacy, who you mentioned earlier last night after the Houston game and Stacy is, is one of the, the people who really seem to have higher expectations of where this team would go this year. I didn't, my, the signs I'm looking for, for growth really don't involve the Knicks having a better record or getting out of the first round. I think it's a completely different standard for them this year. And so. The fact that they lost in Chicago competitively on a night when nobody but Randall and quickly made more than three shots and when they were seven of 27 from deep, um, but were in it at the end. And I think you saw at the end, like really the difference between the two teams was Chicago had two closers and the Knicks did not. And until it came down to those last couple of minutes, it was anyone's game. So I, th- I think the biggest signs were the encouragement from Randall and from the team in terms of, I think, looking more for shots that were like their identity a year ago. I think they've been way too live by the sword, die by the sword with the three. And it was really encouraging seeing them, I think, playing what feels to me like a more sustainable approach. The The threes are exciting, but it's like watching a boxing match in a Rocky movie where like it's just roundhouse after round. And like, when it hits, it's awesome. When it doesn't hit, it, it you're, there's no other there's no other option. And thankfully, at least tonight, particularly with Randall, there was. Yeah. Speaking of identity, too, this was one of the first games where I think the Knicks have really looked like they had a plan on offense recently, at least with the starters. You know, yes. so often, so often, there's just like your turn, my turn. And, you know, they talk about that all the time. Like, like Han is always getting on that mm-hmm. in the post game show and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I think that they focus on that a little too much. You know, Clyde hates that too, obviously during the games, you know, the, the stagnation, Mike, you know, um, but like in this game, they definitely had a plan. It was, let's get Julius going for mid range again. Let's get him in these situations where the bulls are doubling him hard. Let's get him in situations where we can let him kick to an open shooter again. Like he used to let's generate switches for him on almost every possession and get him a matchup that he wants. And lo and behold, I mean, Caruso kind of ate his lunch a little bit early mm-hmm. on, but as the game went on, they managed to kind of wear down Caruso and Lonzo ball who have been too like, really great defenders this year like they honestly make the bulls defense 
And the Knicks were able to crawl back, or not, I shouldn't say crawl back, but take a little bit of a lead in the third quarter because Caruso and Ball were both in foul trouble, and they both had to sit with four fouls for a while. And it was really smart of the Knicks to attack those two and try to generate free throws that way first off and then try to generate foul trouble for the other team and take their two best defenders out of it. You know, it's sort of similar to what what the Bulls did in getting Noel in foul trouble, you know, which I didn't think those fouls were particularly great. I thought that he got kind of kind of screwed on like at least two of those foul calls, but I'm yeah. sure that Bulls fans feel kind of the same about some of the fouls that Caruso and Ball got called for and it's just it's strategy. So I I really liked what the Knicks did there. Um but you know, also, and let me know what you think about this because I think that you had noted that there was a little bit of a of more symbiosis between Kemba and Randall in your recap that you wrote for the Rockets game too. But like, yeah, I also felt like those two, particularly in the third quarter, had an actual plan together and kind of looked like they were fi- finally figuring out how to play with one another. Yeah, it was it was one of the it was one of the only times this year where it hasn't felt like that your turn my turn thing. And mm-hmm. if you remember. Um, Randall's first season in New York when Marcus Morris was there, they were their two best scorers, and it took months for them to have a good game together. It was always one or the other, and I think I was talking last night to Stacey about this. I don't think Randall's ever played with a player like Kemba, um, and Kemba's not what Kemba used to be. Like we all know that, but I don't think if you look at Randall's history, like he was on the Lakers' end of Kobe's career when they really stunk. He was on the Pelicans. Drew Holiday is not the same kind of volume, I think, of shooter that Kemba Walker is. He's a different player. Um, Randall's first few years in New York, he's playing with Alfred Payton. I don't think Kemba's ever played with someone like Randall either. Like, Randall is a, a true point forward. You mentioned Randall, like, you know, going back down on the block and doing things. I also thought, and this started in the in the Atlanta playoff series, and it, it's persevered all the season. Ever since that playoff series, I feel during the series and this season, Randall has become to me like transparently, and it doesn't always add up if you look at his numbers, but to me, Randall looks to pass too much. He always looks to pass. There are sequences where you get the ball and you know, like he's looking to pass. I was glad tonight to see, I don't think Randall is capable of being like selfish because I just think he's, he's too instinctive of a passer, but it was nice on a night like this when the Bulls were missing Vukovic and they were missing Patrick Williams that, Julius Randle, I thought, passed when he should have and stuck with the shots when he also should have. And one of the best sequences where he really seemed to have that in good balance was with Kemba. Unfortunately, it didn't last you know, too much longer. But again, that would be the, the, the real you know, core small sample that I'm taking out of this game and hoping to project over the rest of the season is that Kemba and Randle I really haven't played that much together, you know, in in, in a larger um, perspective. It takes even great players a long time generally to learn to play together. It took LeBron and Wade a year. I'm not saying these guys are on that level, but I'm saying, like, that actually could, could further explain why it's a struggle. And I don't think their head coach specializes in, hey, let me make sure the offense is really rolling. So I think the players kind of have to figure that out. And I think maybe they're starting to. They'll certainly have a good chance the next week to show that against much better competition. Yeah, and we're we're definitely going to get into that in a couple minutes here. Also, I want to kind of continue talking about this Bulls game, but I I, I think I've I, I found I did, 
I didn't want to talk about the Rockets game that much, but you know what? I think I found a way to sort of meld this together. First, I do just have to remind everybody about a couple of our sponsors for today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. All right, NBA fanatics, have you heard of Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize Picks has the best NBA daily fantasy sports prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers, offers all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of our users that deposit and use our promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code NBA. You can pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Maybe take the under on games played for LeBron next. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, too. <laughs> uh, use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And today's show is also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. The other best part, which I'll continue to promote on here as a new DirecTV Stream customer, is that unlike... Xfinity, if you're in the uh, New Jersey, Connecticut area where you can only get Comcast Xfinity, uh, that still has MSG blacked out. DirecTV Stream does carry MSG. So you can watch Knicks games without having to go to the darkest parts of the internet to do so. So biggest selling point ever on this podcast. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get rid of Xfinity and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right. So we're back in talking about these two Knicks games. And, you know, I, we'll talk about the, as far as the Rockets game, the Burks explosion in a minute. But I, I think the big thing between these games, you know, and, and we were talking about, you know, this game, the the loss to the Bulls being maybe a little more encouraging than the win against the Rockets. I felt like the Knicks won against the Rockets in spite of themselves. Like they kind of just won because Alec Burks decided to score 17 points in the fourth quarter and also become like a human steel magnet. Like, yes. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he did what he was doing, but it was just bizarre uh, how good he was on defense and everything. But like, Oh no, I didn't come away from that Rockets game thinking like, oh wow, this is a step forward. Like like I did say at the Pacers game at the beginning of the week, where I was like, right. this was a good game. This is a good gritty game against a dangerous team. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever. The the Rockets are not dangerous. They're a little kitty cat. Like you don't have to worry about them. You should be able to just stop them into the ground and be done like a bug. You know, but the Knicks turned it into a whole thing. This game, you know, I just felt like there was so much more 
I, I felt like all that was missing in this game, basically, and tell me if this sounds wrong, against the Bulls was just shots going in. You know, the process was there, and that was exactly what we said about the Pacers game, too, and, you know, some of the other games recently, which was like, okay, yeah, you know, even if they didn't win this game, the process was there. The shots just weren't falling, but they looked better. So, you know, I think this game against the Bulls, if this portends what's to come with them playing against these better teams over the next week and a half, I feel pretty good about it. But how did you feel about, like, the Houston game in relation in relation to this game? I certainly think that if you were to keep the outcomes and reverse the order of the game, you'd feel worse going into next week. If the Knicks had lost a tough game in Chicago, come home and won like that against Houston, I think people would be very down. Um, I, again, for me, it goes back to what my expectations are for the team. And I think, um, I think there's a bit of, um, there's a, (laughs) There's a scene, I just watched The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, so this is in my head. There's a scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where um, this kid, I think Edmund, um, he gets Turkish Delight, and he, like, loves it. And he eats so much Turkish Delight, I think that he gets, like, a little sick of it at some point. Like, you don't want, like, too much of it. The Knicks, I think we have been, this has been the best really sustained run by this franchise in a long time. Everybody knows that. But I think what you can't lose sight of is is the way that it actually took shape last season. The Knicks last year were right around 500 most of the season. It wasn't until they went on this crazy West Coast trip late in the year that looked like it was going to sink them. They had to play the Lakers. They had to play all these tough teams. And they they went on this crazy winning streak. And they, they flew and they were, you know, they ended up 10 games over and it's great. But this is a team that basically for the last 89 games has been, I think they're 50 and 39, which is good. Mm-hmm. If you throw in the playoffs, they're 51 and 43. Like I, I'm, I wasn't as distraught by the Houston performance as a lot of people because I feel like, okay, the Knicks job this year is to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. They don't have to win 50 games to do that. They don't have to get out of the second, out of the first round to do it. They just need to maintain, I think, the culture and some of the characteristics that you saw in last year's team. And the other big thing last year was that they showed an ability to develop young players. Can they continue to do that? So for me, those are the metrics of improvement this season. So while the Rocket game was not fun to sit through, um, I will credit the Knicks that, like, I always thought they were going to win, and that's not something I could have said maybe even at this point, certainly last season, and definitely in prior years. Like, the Knicks are not a team that you could ever say they definitely should win this game. It's a game they could easily lose in the past. Um, but I think also the there were there were details in how they pulled out the win that, again, I thought mattered more than the actual outcome. A loss would have been devastating. But for example, the fact that Obi Toppin, when the when the offense was cratering in the first half, and a better team certainly might have put the Knicks away, Toppin kept getting to the line, which has been really one of the bright spots of the season. Um, Toppin's free throw rate has almost tripled um, from where it was last year per 36. I thought that was a big sign for them. I thought the fact that um, Thibodeau finished with Burks and quickly and didn't revert to, well, I have to have Rose or I have to have Kemba. 
I'm not sure how that bodes for the future because the thing that confuses me with Thibodeau is I don't know where his um, his compulsions start and end. So do I believe that Tom Thibodeau in a playoff game would close with Quickly and Burks? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know if he could let himself go that far, but it was encouraging to at least see he tried it. It was like, okay, he's this very conservative lover, and one night he tried to get he – had, he had some tequila. He tried something he's never tried before. He may never do it again, but I'm proud of him that he tried it. Um, and I think, like you said, in that Houston game, you began to see glimpses of Randall working a really nice two-man screen game on the on the arc with Fournier, similar to what he had last year with Bullock. And remember that, you know, Fournier and Randall, I think, are struggling in a way also, but Bullock was there two seasons. Continuity is a big thing. So what I took from the Houston game was not – not a happy end product, but I felt like what you were seeing emerge kind of under the surface was encouraging. And I think that's the through line with the Chicago game, like not happy with how it ended, not happy that again, they got off to a slow start. They were down 20 to eight, not happy that they trailed most of the night and blew a fourth quarter lead and lost. But like you said, I think the things that you can point to in this game bode better for next week than if the Knicks had gotten like a miracle three at the buzzer and won, but not played, not done some of the things that they did. Yeah, for sure. And like, I wanted to quickly revisit that point you made about expectations versus reality and all that stuff too. I literally like before this game tonight recorded a, a locked on NBA segment and the, the, the premise was like, what's wrong with the Knicks right now? Yeah. And and it's funny to think that way because as you said and i mean i've been sort of i've been sort of trying to reflect on this lately too like i've literally been going back to the Knicks game log from last year and counting out okay through 15 games last year they were whatever you know yeah. through through 17 games that i would, i might go back after we record this to be honest mm -hmm. and go look and see what their record was last year after 17 but by and large they floated around you know, anywhere from at their best, like two games above 500s at their worst, like three to five games below 500 yep. last year, all the way up until that heater right at the yep. end of the season. And that was all it took. I mean, sometimes that is all it takes to propel you. Some of the best teams in NBA history, they do it just by having a couple win streaks in the middle of the season, you know, yeah. and, and that's just how they do it. Sometimes it's like 15 game win streaks, you know, so it's nothing to sneeze at. But, right. you know, sometimes those are the things that define a season. And there, there is sort of this weird disconnect between like, and I mean, I even said this myself, you know, and you don't want to believe this stuff at the time, but you know, there, there's, there's thoughts that definitely entered my head last year of like, yeah, they're the four C, but this feels a little fluky. Yes. And, 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 you know, you don't want to embrace that and be like, no, yeah, this team that I love that made the four seed was a total fluke. But when you yeah. sit here and reflect on it this year, you think to yourself, you know, without that win streak, though, they were probably just a play-in team. And there would have been nothing wrong with that. We all would have been super happy with that. It's yep. just expectations have gotten set higher because they went on that – they got hot at just the right time and just yep. happened to take advantage of a a weakened, you know, Eastern Conference. In the, I shouldn't say weekend. I mean, the Eastern Conference was pretty good last year. But, like, obviously they won the championship. The three-seed in the East won the championship. But, like – you know, the, this East power dynamic was weird last year, and, and it was all separated by, like, a handful of games from, you know, like, the four seed to the seven seed. And yeah. it happened to come out on top. So, 
you know, I, I think that there's going to be a learning curve this year too. And I, you know, I don't think that I'm willing to do anything close to panic until like game 30, 40, something yeah. like that. You know, you've got, if, to, you've got to get to, I think, closer to the all-star break. Late yeah. January. I remember last year, Charlotte was ahead of the Knicks for a long time until they lost LaMelo and then they tanked. Boston was ruined by COVID, like absolutely ruined by COVID all year. They disappointed. I don't know what happened with Miami. Maybe it was the transition from the the short break from the finals in the bubble through the season. Mm-hmm. But like Miami, like there were a number of teams that no one who didn't want to be committed to an asylum would have picked the Knicks to, to be better than. And they were. And, you know, this year, I think you're getting more of that, of a balanced, like appropriate East, like what the East actually is. But um, I think also when we talk about, you know, how do you fairly evaluate this team? One of the things that, that there's certain signs that you look for that distinguish a team that has gone from a joke to legitimate, not a contender, but like legitimate. And one of them last year, especially you saw a team becomes good at home. Like one of the first things you see is, You'll see a team that's good at home. They're terrible on the road. Then they get like decent on the road. Like there, there are certain you know patterns that occur. One thing that's been really interesting with the Knicks under Thibodeau, and it's persisted this year. The Knicks for a long time, going back to even Mike Woodson, Woodson through Fizdale, the Knicks have every single year had at least one just killer losing streak. Um, sometimes they'll have a series of them when you go 17 and 65 that happens but the Knicks have had a lot of years where they're 16 and 13 or they're 22 and 22 and then they lose eight of nine and and like then you know Derek Fisher gets fired or whatever happens the Knicks this year have not lost let me just double check on this yeah the Knicks haven't lost three games in a row this year I know they're not playing great they're not playing like amazing but one thing that was characteristic of the team fairly early, you remember last year they they lost five in a row at the beginning. They were they were they were five and eight. They had just lost five in a row. There was a lot of concern. From that point on, I think when I checked a, a while ago, I think they had two losing streaks the rest of the year of three, nothing longer than that. And they had like seven winning streaks that were that long or longer. Mm-hmm. And this season, like I was writing, you know, tonight in a post game about, oh, you know. They haven't won consecutive games for three weeks, and they haven't. But if this is not the Knicks, if this is a team that their fans and certainly outsiders had any reason to give any credit to, and I'm not saying the Knicks deserve it, but a different franchise would be credited for staying gritty. They've been banged up in the center position all year. I know other teams have had worse injury problems, but a different franchise that has more more credit in the bank would be credited with, you know what, they're they're hanging around, they're keeping their head above water, they're persevering, and you know, and when their players figure it out, and Mitch and Noel and Taj are all, but it's the Knicks and, and they don't they haven't earned that. But I just think it's another sign of am I pissed off that they're not, you know, twelve and five when they easily I think could be, sure. But again, I think the the smaller signs are what matter more. And I think I feel fine with where they are. I don't feel like they're underachieving. They're a 500 team, which like you said at the beginning, are they, you know, are they playing to the level of their competition? Probably because that's what they are, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And they're, they're quite frankly, two career nights from two non three point shooters away from being 
11 and six right now, which is another yeah. thing to consider. Uh, at any rate, I want to just let everybody know real quick. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert, but one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that is on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only have four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. They're even bringing turkey Built Bars. No, I'm kidding. They're not actually doing that. Uh, low calorie, low carb, low fat, and high protein. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. New surprises are coming all month. Limited time flavors are arriving at Built.com regularly. So check the site often. I just had a uh, coconut brownie chunk Built Bar before I went to hot yoga earlier today. So gave me strength to get through that. That was tough. I hadn't done that in like two years. I wanted to die. Uh, there's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday as well. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right. So to, to start wrapping the show up, uh, Miranda, I, I wanted to talk about this upcoming stretch that the Knicks have coming uh, this Bulls game. You know, obviously there was, there was no recap between uh, uh, the Rockets game and the Bulls game. So, you know, I didn't have like a Rockets recap to be like, well, next game starts the hell stretch, but right. you know, whatever the, the hell stretch is officially underway. This Bulls game was the first game of a number of potentially really tough games that the Knicks are going to have to play here. So they have the Lakers at home. Then they have Phoenix at home. Uh, then they go hit the road to go to Atlanta and then have a another home game at their away home arena at <laughs> Brooklyn. Um, and then they have two more home games versus Chicago and versus Denver. So really like a three-game homestand at the end of this mm -hmm. uh, at, at uh, MSG East and then, you know, back in the garden for Chicago and Denver. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think – this Chicago game, as I was saying, was pretty good. Actually, no, first off, let's 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 get the elephant out of the room first. Do you think LeBron's gonna be playing on nope. Tuesday after this altercation uh with the Pistons? Like, do you think the league's gonna let him off? No. And first I just want to say, as a as a Rochester resident, how proud I was seeing Rochester native Isaiah Stewart representing the Flower City and not taking no shit, even yeah. from the GOAT. Um I would think he, he has to be suspended. Um, has to be. Like, he was ejected, deservedly. He elbowed someone in the face. Not only that, he punched him. He punched him in the face. He closed fist punched him, backhanded. Ooh. Oh, yeah. If you look at the slow-mo replays, it oh. looked like an elbow. But then you can see he looked back and watched his fist in onto Stewart's face. Okay. That's a suspension. Yeah. Like, it's I think it has be. to be. It has I, to be. I do wonder if just based off this being like LeBron's league at, you know, still to, you know, at this point, if they're going to let it go 
from his perspective, or maybe just try to frame it as well. Both parties were in the wrong, so we're not going to suspend anybody. I'll but tell you like, what, I think Stewart's reaction ensures if Stewart didn't react at all, mm-hmm. I'd be more afraid that like they're going to let it slide. Yeah. There's going to be so much now publicity around it. Um, yeah, it'd be pretty tough. Well, now that there has been those slow mo breakdowns of him punching him in the face, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't see how they they could let that go. No, but, I'm not one to put anything beyond the reach of like capitalist greed. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> you know, national TV me. game in MSG against the Knicks. Like, there's a world where I could see them even just like pushing the deliberation like oh well we haven't made a decision yet let's let LeBron play so we'll wait until the appeals are I'll say this though and this will be an interesting test of in in one sense of of where the NBA is now than versus back in the day in 93 the Knicks and the Bulls were fighting for the top record in the east and they had a, a big game coming in Chicago um I think it was in Chicago they were they were playing each other the night before they played Chicago was in Indiana, and it's, it became kind of a famous little skirmish. Something happened between Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan, where Michael Jordan like almost raked Reggie Miller's eyes out, and Reggie Miller like freaked out and went back at Michael. There was a big scene, and at the time, you're thinking like the Knicks and Bulls are playing a national game tomorrow for first place in the East. There's no way the NBA is going to suspend Michael Jordan, and they did. And the Knicks won the game, and whatever. It didn't help because Charles Smith, but it would be very interesting to me to to see if the NBA can contort itself this time into a reason why, like Knicks Lakers is is a big game, but this isn't Knicks Bulls in 1993 for for first place in the East. Like it's a big game. You still have star power. You still have. It's not LeBron, but it's not like the Lakers are the Lakers. You know, it's not like they're bereft of anybody else. Plus they have Carmelo. Plus they have yeah. You know, I, I think there's enough there. Yeah, yeah. But I don't trust Adam Silver at all. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I guess we'll see. It'll be interesting. I mean, yeah, I just I, I think they gotta suspend him though. And honestly, I I'll be extremely disappointed in the league office if they suspend Stewart because one, he got punched in the face, was bleeding profusely. So like he was literally seeing red. But <laughs> the other thing is like it seemed like LeBron said something to him to make him get even more incensed. And like that they'll try to take statements or whatever from people that were there, but I guarantee nobody will like blab what it was or whatever, but unless maybe if a Pistons player heard it, but you know, I, I, I think, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't do anything to Stewart. I would definitely suspend LeBron and not even just, yeah. Is LeBron just after their game against the Celtics, um, so he, he finally addressed Enos Cantor's shoes and criticism of him. And LeBron, who's like the king of passive aggressiveness, gives some bullshit answer about, you know, I don't waste energy. If I have something to say, I say it like a man. And like, we, we've seen you half your life as a public figure. You don't do that. We don't know you don't do that. You yeah. Didn't, you didn't come at Kevin Love like a man. So I find it, I know LeBron said something. I know mm-hmm. LeBron was not thinking that like anybody would dare come at LeBron, especially at a second year, not yeah. particularly notable player. Year, you know? Yeah, but I think Stewart's looking at a multi-game suspension. I think he's getting three games at least. 
I think what they'll use to justify that is the the second foray where he like played Derrick Henry and knocked and over third, a bunch of people. And the third foray and maybe the fourth foray. <laughs> yeah, and then the one where he tried to sprint down the tunnel to go find LeBron that way. Like he literally why did you mention Derrick Henry? One of the one of the camera angles, he really looks like a bowling ball and he's oh, just yeah. like plopping dudes over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> go figure. We wound up talking about this for a minute. So let's Let's briefly before we before we sign off here, just give predictions. So again, I outlines seven games here coming up before the Knicks get any sort of a break. Uh, which, you know, maybe this is actually kind of a good thing because they seem to play up to good teams and extremely down to bad teams. So mm-hmm. I guess maybe this will be a fun stretch. But so again, Lakers, Phoenix at home, then at Atlanta, at Brooklyn, uh, Chicago and Denver. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's six games, not seven games. Uh, what are you thinking that the record's going to be that they're going to come out of this with if you were a betting man? I think they're going to go at least three and three. I I kind of feel that way too. I, I'm, I'm, fine. I'm fine with it. I yeah. Think, I, I hate to, to, to make predictions, but I think with LeBron out, the Laker game becomes obviously much more winnable. Watch Carmelo. will get like 30 in that one. Um, I'm really yeah, I'm excited for this kind of all year. I'm really looking forward to the Atlanta game um, mm-hmm. as a big, not to make too much of one thing, but um, so many things turned for them. It, what kind of gets lost sometimes in the in the playoff outcome is how Randall just destroyed Atlanta all last year in the regular season, had enormous mm-hmm. performances against them. I'm very curious to see, okay, it's been however many months, you've made roster changes, you've had a chance to process Let's see how it goes. Like, let's see what does it look like now. You know, nobody last year could guard Trey Young either. Let's see what that looks like now. Mm-hmm. Um, if Mitch is there, especially, let's see how Capella handles an actual physical presence in the middle that he has to contend with. Let's see what Randall's learned. I, I, I think the whole stretch is interesting, but I'm especially probably more than any other game. Oddly, it's the Atlanta one that I, I care the most about how they look in that game. Like. Mm. That's the one I want the most. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I think the Lakers game is winnable. I think they'll steal one of the other four. And then I think they could beat Atlanta as well. I do think that... I I, I mean, if you talk to anybody... Like, basically, Atlanta right now is having issues similar to what the Knicks are having. Mm -hmm. But they're actually losing the games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they're not a game above 500. They're actually like in the win and loss column. They're bad right now. Yeah. Like yeah, they yeah. Need, yeah. They don't just need to like turn things around in a way that starts getting them more wins. They need to start turning things around in a way that gets them wins period. Like yep. they're, they're just not doing good right now. So I, I, I do think, I hope Mitch is healthy for that. Cause I want to see if I was correct about thinking that Mitch would have made a huge difference against Capella you know, I want to see how the the backcourt does guarding Trey or how they don't do guarding Trey, you know, with with Bullock gone, who was kind of like the guy tasked with dealing with Trey Young in the playoffs for better or worse, stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how things go. And also just if Nate McMillan kind of plays things close to the vest mm-hmm. for now in the regular season, because he, he still is trying to hold some stuff back for the playoffs like clearly they did last year. Against it would also be nice just to just to have the experience of seeing Trey Young having to play defense against somebody on the Knicks. At some yes, point. exactly. Like even Fournier with all of his struggles, you're not going to be able to hide Trey yep. Young on Fournier yep. Yep. any day of the week. That'll be the game that gets Fournier out of his slump. So yeah, hopefully. 
at any rate, uh, this has been great. Miranda, thanks for popping on. Uh, we are starting to run a little long, so I'm going to wrap things up here. But did you want to remind everybody where to find all your work again? And, and of course, the, the new podcast coming up and all that great stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on Twitter at mmiranda613. Um, you can find my writing at postingandtoasting.com and obviously the Strickland, uh, Strick.land, the Believe Pod. We're recording our first episode tomorrow. I don't know yet what it's going to be called, but again, if you come to the Twitter page, um, it'll be up there. It'll be posted. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Stacey Patton is uh, really fun to to talk next with and has a lot of perspectives that I, I don't. So I think it'll be an interesting conversation. Um, Check it out after, of course, you are done listening to Alex Wolf on Lockdown Knicks. Yeah, thanks for making us your first listen every day, of course. Anyway, all right, sales pitch over, episode over. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're not already, uh, go find us on YouTube, subscribe, like some videos, and uh, you know, do us a favor in that way, even if you plan on listening over the the your favorite podcast app. But no matter what, we're always here for you guys. Thanks for listening so much. And we will talk to you all soon. Peace out.